are, friends. How are we all doing? It is Kel Spellman here, welcoming you along to another one of our bonus episodes for Call of the Wild. And this time, we are treating you to extra chat with climate justice activist Noga Levy-Rappaport. Now, Noga has led climate strikes across the UK and was also named a Forbes Top 100 UK environmentalist for their work on youth empowerment, educational reform and systemic change. Not only did we really dig into the subject of identity, but we also explored what changes Noga wants to see in the environmental justice movement, as well as what gives them hope. I do hope you enjoy this, and I'll catch you on the other side. I said to you when we first met downstairs, you had a day off today, but I was like, do you ever have days off? Because you are super, (laughs) super busy. Do you ever ever have burnout? Because I think, you know, is it something that can happen a lot? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, that was one of the things that I I almost didn't learn in time. Like, that was something that actually COVID really forced on me. I was not taking a break from basically the moment that I started working in any environmental space. I would just turn 17 until COVID. Like, it was constant. I was doing that alongside school, alongside socialising, like, alongside travelling around Europe and, like, meeting new people and, like, trying to organise all these demonstrations and doing TV and radio and all these different things mm. and... um. COVID honestly hit me like a truck. Like th- that lockdown forced me to actually take a step back and yes. go, okay, where is the movement as a whole? What is my contribution? And what kind of, where do I stand? Like, what do I want to do? And kind of since then, I've learned quite a lot to hone every specific job and gig that I want to do, every specific action that I want to take. Mm-hmm. And just think, it's not actually just about the benefit they will have on the people around me, but also about me. Like sometimes there are things that are just, you know, I think I would do a great job of them, but at the end of the day... Even if I could impact loads of people doing it, if I burn myself out to the point where I cannot do anything ever again, yeah. there's no point to doing that. I'm, it's better to just ask someone else to do that. And I mean, I'm very lucky to be in a space right now where there are so many people yeah. doing so many things. I can just be like, are you free to take this? Can you do that? Which is so incredible for all of us. That's such a beautiful thing, though, as well. And you'll know, I think even three, four, five years ago, mm. there probably wasn't half as many people as there is now totally. in the space and you were having to do it all. Yeah. I mean, that was our win, right? <laughs> we just got so many people in. That was such an incredible thing that, like, the climate strikes did. Like, we changed lots of things, but in particular, we just, like, sucked people into this huge, yeah. huge movement. Yeah. As you know, we this episode is centred around identity. And I think as well we get, people get kind of too caught up in not really actually digging into themselves and kind of there's a bit, I don't know if, it, I don't know if fear would be the right word, but, you know, almost... Not wanting to look inside themselves or trying to, people are trying to find yeah. their identity because from other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and because yeah, yeah. for me, identity has always been such a huge part of my life. Like, I came to the UK when I was very young, I was a toddler. Um, I didn't speak English at the time. My, for my parents, English is their second language as well. And we have lived here ever since because I was born in Tel Aviv and kind of having all my family over there. You know, it's, this is already a very big thing to have someone who is an immigrant, is first generation, is learning to speak English. Well, so, you know, I picked up fast and I sound very fluent now. It's but lot, for though. every, yeah, I mentioned that, you know, I'd actually come out, I've, I'd gone back into the closet at one point and I'd said quite publicly, I, you know, forget this pronoun stuff, like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to deal with it right now. I've got my own other stuff to deal with. But actually, you know, finding this moment meant that, okay, I can think about that again, I can experiment with that again. And I've got... Essentially, I've just got a very strong support network. And that, for me, was really Mm game-changing. I've got so many people around me, uh, my wonderful friends, my colleagues, people that I meet along the way that just are such a 
like fundamental and just so needed community that allowed me to kind of be so confident like in me I'm so proud of who I am yeah I'm able to express that to kids much much younger than myself I'm able to talk to my siblings very proudly about who I am and what I've gone through and what I've done because that gave me that boost Noga also reflected on their identity and navigating that alongside advocating for the planet in the media I was doing a lot of media work more so than a lot of other people because that like everyone has their contributions I was particularly good at that yeah and that was very very weird like that was I'd done a lot of music and theatre growing up but nothing of that level um and so it was very you know suddenly you're like seeing your face a lot you're hearing your own voice a lot yeah and I mean it's something you're nodding because you obviously know it's inside out but like it's something that for me as a 17 year old who had come out of like a lot a lot of like image insecurities I was suddenly like oh my god okay I've got to deal with this like and it put like on the one hand yeah gave me that huge confidence because like right well that's just my phase like I'm just gonna have to get used to seeing that now um but on the other hand it was scary I really felt like what is the line for me of being kind of a spokesperson for a very broad movement Mm. um that I have you know played a huge part in building but at the same time I don't know everyone um and I can't speak for everyone so there were definitely times when I felt like I had to shut a big part of myself away and just think okay that's personal climate is public I remember having long chats with my parents about it and thinking okay like to what extent do I mention maybe struggles with mental health you know who I am like should I just kind of ignore any association with queerness not lie about it but you know do I that if it's not almost necessary definitely in quotation marks there but um to bring up then you know should I and that was a very difficult line to toe and because that's really how it felt felt like I you know had to toe the line because that pressure from the media you know to kind of be made into this made out to be this like leader which is a very tricky word and not one that's always accurate yes puts you in a very difficult position and you know they see even just like people it's like television program it's music it's the music that hits the most is when someone has put their soul in a song that's when it hits but it is the hardest thing to do I wondered off that, when we look at the environmental movement, how Mm. important then is identity within the environmental movement? This is kind of in two parts, this question, but how crucial is that, do you think? I mean, it's massive, you know. um, It's such a... I I think when I was, you know, thinking about it, it it is such a funny question, like, because it's so... On the one hand, identity is crucial in terms of the very structures that have brought about the climate crisis are really grounded in things that have deepened lines across identity and have deepened paradigms people occupy they play on and massively impact but also embolden the intersections that people live in and experience and, and are and that you know shows itself in some of the grander scales whether it's in terms of the imbalance of like economies around the world and how that's very very clearly from kind of the analysis that's used in intergovernmental organisations, kind of mainstream economics and the baseline for that, that's that's along lines of identity and that's along assumptions that, you know, leave some groups behind and yes. marginalise some more than others. And these are all things that are to do with identity, even if we want to, even as many, many people have tried to separate structural and and personal, those are things that kind of are our entire lives. That's kind of, our, that's how society functions. That's how we yeah. work. So it's, you know, on it, from the big picture, from the kind of the macro political overview, identity is crucial. Yeah. Um, it's everything. On the other hand, identity is also kind of so, so needed when it comes to building the environmental justice movement. Because again, it's, 
if we can't build a really, really broad coalition of perspectives, how will we undertake these huge structures that are so powerful because of their imbalance, because of their inequities, because of the identities that they they utilise and weaponize and marginalise. If we don't have that broad coalition, we can't have that level of justice, but also the very concept of justice. You know, yeah. we can't... Who are you bringing justice to yeah. if you're not speaking about identity? And that environmental justice movement, that that need that, that we have is so rooted in, again, being authentic and being truthful to one yeah. another, recognising, you know, historic responsibilities that come into play but also how we can interact now and what privileges yes but also you know much more than that how we can interact with these existing structures how we interact with our own identity to kind of rebuild a lot of the concepts that we have reimagine a much much you know more exciting and more sustainable more equitable world if we you know don't think about identity don't think very honestly why am why am i who i am yeah um why are you who you are and and where do we sit kind of in this sort of world map, really? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's it's every For the environmental movement, it's everything. But for every social justice movement, it's everything. That's social yeah, justice. It is. It's you know, part it's social, of it, it's identity. Of course. And like, it's so interesting. When I, when I listened to you there, it was like when you look at what is required, as we know, to combat climate change and try and turn the tide on this crisis. And as we know, we only have that finite amount of time to do it. It's the exact same as what we need to do in this space as well. We are having to reimagine and rewire and rethink the world as we know it. Do you know what I mean? From the inside out. Looking at that change, mm. one, do you feel that it is it is happening? And have you seen, you know, it all moving in the right direction? Have you seen those signs that actually we kind of are on? We know that a lot more needs to be done at such a quicker rate, of course. But do you, you know, are you seeing that not just kind of around what the changes we need the planet to see? I'm talking like we say as a society. Yeah. Do you, do you think we're, we're moving in the right direction? you think it's... Um, well, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because I think, I think one of our huge successes with the climate strikes in particular was that we changed the language and the awareness. That was massive. Like the way in which mainstream media in particular treats the climate crisis now is like enormously different yeah. from the way it did literally a year before we did any of that. So in terms of general awareness, that's huge. Like everyone is now feeling, okay, yes. this is happening. Something needs to be done about it. That is half the battle in my mind. Like that is such a huge leap that we had to take. I think now what we're facing that is so, so tricky is that because we've raised so much awareness, we're now having to face a lot of corporations and governments that, are, you know, know that their their customers essentially or their citizens are aware and want change. And so now they're pouring millions and billions into greenwashing yes um and they're saying oh don't worry we've got the solution to be sustainable i think where we've hit a little bit of a bump just a speed bump like we can get over it we are struggling to inspire people with the solution side of it the solutions are there like I'm very public about the kind of solutions that I advocate for, which are loosely similar to kind of the the ideas of Green New Deal and that very global sense of massive, massive climate reparations, huge amounts of lost damages, transforming society in a very fundamentally holistic way that supports everyone, that transforms every single aspect we have, that pushes for a just transition. But these are things that actually now kind of the worst of our politicians and the worst of our fossil fuel corporations in particular are really honing in on because they know that that's what's needed to take them down essentially but they are really really trying to put a block into that they're trying to push a lot of like oh market solutions oh tech will save us 
oh, you know, take on individual responsibility because we still hear a lot of that, you know, go vegan and you'll save the world. A lot of that nonsense is still going around. Yeah, Uh, You know, obviously everyone should make their own contribution, but at the end of the day, this is something so much bigger than any single person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of this barrier at the moment because once... It's very, it's very logical, these steps to kind of releasing the, the grip that these corporations have on our society are very, you know, simple steps and actually um, are steps that everyone kind of tends to agree on. You know, yes. you say, right, we need more money for schools and if only we had more buses and trains, if only they were cheap and I didn't have to drive everywhere, you know, and if only all parts of the country were equally funded and we had kind of a huge amount of social equity. These are things that actually, you know, are such a part of our solution that those in power will try to stop us at every turn. So we've, we, we're, we're at that tricky point now where it's you just have to see the solution and the moment that kind of solution is explained to you, because it's so logical, it's quite easy to kind of inspire from there. Yes. But because we've been able to do so much, essentially, we're now at a very tricky point where we're facing a huge amount of pushback. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've changed so much awareness, but now it's at the tipping point where we need to flip all of that and go, right, you know that things are really bad. Please do not despair. Yes. Please don't allow yourself to slip into apathy and again. And if you do, turn it into action. Like you have to be angry now because you're despairing, because you're furious, because you're upset. Absolutely. You have to band together. You have to mobilize. You have to galvanize. So we essentially need to do what we did with climate strikes and what people have been doing for decades all over again, but on a scale that has is yet unheard of. Yeah. Um, on kind of this epic and unimagined scale. Um, but because we have to, like, we don't have a choice. Love that. <laughs> Um, I know we've we've got got two questions left for you. My first one is, um, well, it's kind of in two parts because you've done so much, okay? I wanted to know if you had a favourite moment so far in campaigning for the planet and who were or has been influential on your journey for you? Mm. Um, I mean, I think I have a few favourite moments. For me, like, there were kind of two main ones. One was figuring out on the day of kind of the September climate strike of 2019, which was to this day kind of largest climate mobilisation that's ever been done. Boom. Realising, yeah, boom, done that. Um, Realising that there were, hearing there are 100,000 people in London alone and then being able to get back on top of this big red bus that we'd managed to get um, to kind of speak to everyone and go, like, guys, you'll never believe this. There are 100,000 of you here, which was just unbelievable. And there's like this very funny picture of me just kind of in shock, about to tell everyone and watching kind of the sea of faces, knowing that they're just their minds about to be blown and just feeling very proud. So that for me was a huge moment. That was a moment of like, oh, my God, we can do this. Yeah, wow. But the other stuff is is the smaller wins. I mean, I remember my brother who would have been 12 at the time, that he couldn't come to one of the climate strikes. He had an exam at school and he stood outside his tube station outside school with like a little sign at eight in the morning, just for half an hour. Some people spoke to him, some people didn't, but he just stood totally alone. And I thought that was an incredibly brave and inspiring thing for him to do. And that was just, for me, really emblematic of the fact that actually a lot of the time it's the little things, it's the small wins. People coming up to me and going, I really want to do this, I want to make this change or I want to do that. And sometimes I don't have an answer and that's fine because then I think back to that September moment, I go, okay, we don't always have the answers but we can do something incredible. Yeah, Yeah, so it's those little moments of people trying to do things alone and slowly, slowly building that community which is, yeah, for me always, always a gift. That's the magic. Mm. And this is a question I leave every guest with. This is how I wrap it up, is what gives you hope? And I'm so interested to hear your answer on this. Hope is a hope is a difficult word. It I think. A- <laughs> hope is a difficult word. 
I used to answer this question by saying, oh, I don't really do optimism or pessimism. I just do the things and don't really think about what's to come. But I think over the years, I've changed my mind on that. For me, hope really is the people around me. It's I often say I don't think we should ever feel we have to ask permission to make a change or kind of defer to others to do or act on what we feel is right. But again, you can't do that without community. You can't do that without people around you. For me, hope comes from the people in my life, my family, my friends, the people I argue with because sometimes they change their minds. And, you know, the people who are, have always been supportive of me, the people who've suddenly gone, oh, Noga, I mean, I've been your mate for a few years and I've not done very much, but actually in my university I'm now trying to set up this sustainable thing or whatever it is that magic it is those little things and just people going you know what like screw this I'm going to do something about it and it might fail that's fine yeah. like, we haven't got this far without failing and I think yeah that really hope is everyone around us that's what keeps me going well, that is a perfect note to finish on. I want to say a massive thank you to Noggle Levy Rappaport there for joining me on the podcast. And not just that, I want to say a massive thank you to Nogger for their incredible work in the climate space. They really are a beacon of inspiration, particularly for the young people around the world. There we have it. That is season two, Call of the Wild, done and dusted. What a journey it has been. And once again, all the love and appreciation to you for listening and joining me on this journey. It's something I'm so proud of and something I'm so happy to share with you all. And we could not do this without you. So a massive thank you. And hopefully you've learned some things along the way and feel inspired to make that change. Fingers crossed, we'll be back for a season three. So watch this space. I've been Kel Spellman and Call of the Wild is a fresh air production for WWF. Follow now for free so that you don't miss an episode. The Wild is calling, it's time to act.